What's up, y'all? I'm Cordell. Welcome to the Upward Acts Podcast, where we give you the tools, insights, and techniques to help you deliberately enter an upward spiral of well-being. Today, we'll be talking about happiness and positive emotions. What even are positive emotions? How do they work? How do we deliberately influence them? And we'll end with just straight up, how can we be more happy in our everyday lives? So don't go anywhere. I'm really excited about this one just because it really gets to the heart of so much of positive development, which is really what we're talking about here on the podcast. How do we change over time to really enjoy our lives that much more? And uh, positive emotions is one of the truest ways, I guess you might say, uh, to bring your life into an upward spiral where you just really enjoy every single day. So happiness is a massive topic that we could talk about for decades probably. Um, So again, just like some of the other podcasts, I'm giving a brief overview of a massive area of life. And I really just want to focus on what you can do immediately right away so that you can start to recognize what's going on with your happiness, recognize what's going on with your positive emotions, and start to make some steps towards improving them in a way that you really appreciate. Um, but before I get into that, if you know anyone that really is interested in stepping up their well-being and kind of getting into a lot of these growth needs of self-actualization and deep creativity and well-being every day, send them to UpwardAxe.com. Have them email me at CordellGlassUpwardAxe.com. First session is always free, and I love to just hear ideas and collaborate and figure something out together. So go ahead and check that out when you get a chance. So let's dive into this. I'm not going to define happiness just quite yet. I'm going to leave you hanging on that one until the end of the podcast, because I'm sure you already have some of your own ideas of what happiness means. Um, And as I begin to describe positive emotions in a few different ways and explore how those work, I think you'll grasp what I mean by happiness when I talk about it. And then at the very end, I'll give you a few more explicit definitions. Um, But I want to start with just what emotions mean. Um, There's a lot of different ways to think about emotions. Humans have been considering emotions since we started using language, pretty much. Um, And there's been a few different paradigms in academia of what an emotion is and how they work and how to study them and things along those lines. And recently, there's been a pretty big shift in how we understand emotions. And I think it might be kind of that point in academia where a lot of research scientists and people who read like stuffy academic journals, have begun to recognize this shift, but I'm not sure it's begun to bleed into public awareness yet. And so hopefully this podcast will be an eye-opener for a few people in terms of how they understand their own feelings, uh, how you understand your own feelings. Um, It's definitely changed how I understand my feelings in a lot of ways. Um, So for a very long time, people considered emotions to be what are known as basic emotions. There's like six different characteristic emotions that were said to be universal throughout all cultures and things like that. I don't have time in this podcast to get into that entire paradigm of research and a lot of the issues that came up with it, Um, but it was one way to look at it, and we've begun to get a lot of evidence recently that suggests that there's a much broader way of understanding emotions than these six basic functions of humans. Um, It can actually be virtually infinite amount of expressions. And this is in line with a lot of how I understand 
this is in line with how I've understood myself and how I've understood just the mind and body in general. And so this new paradigm was really, really welcomed by me, <laughs> at the very least. Um, we've kind of gone from understanding emotions as, you know, having these basic structures that show up in everyone, uh, to an understanding in which emotions are constructed. So what do I mean by construction? That's actually what I'm going to break down in this first part of the podcast, and then I'll go into the deeper aspects of how you can participate in this construction, uh, some of the positive and negative styles of constructing our emotions, um, and then what you can do to construct them in a way that's going to be best for you and the people around you. So before you can fully understand how emotions are constructed, you have to understand how the mind works, really basically. Um, Daniel Kahneman is a Nobel Prize winner who's really led the field in terms of understanding that humans have two systems of interaction with the world, of cognition, of how the mind kind of operates. Uh, there's been a lot of other people that have come into the fray and started to examine how this works. And in fact, it kind of goes all the way back to antiquity. Having two different ways of interacting with the world has permeated human thought for a very, very long time. It's often construed as the head and the heart, or mind and body, or uh, any number of these kind of dualities. Um, that have been floating around for a very long time, where you have this cold, rational reasoning, and then you have this warm, passionate, emotional side of things. And for most of human philosophy and, and education and, and science, really, a lot of people took this duality very, very seriously, uh, as though they were two completely different systems that did their own thing. And it turns out they're are two systems, in fact. However, these two systems interact together. And I'm going to break down what I mean by these two systems in a little more depth than just head and heart. So you can call them system one and system two. You can continue to call them head and heart if you like, or mind and body, whatever really works for you. Um, but our first system is very fast. It happens immediately. It processes information very, very quickly. Um, it takes in lots of data, and then it will process it very quickly. Um, you can kind of think of this as evolutionary wisdom is a great way that I like to think of it, where our bodies are designed in a specific way to react to certain stimuli, um, to behave in certain ways when certain things show up, and it happens really quickly. These are the type of behaviors that have kept us alive for so long, um, kept the human species alive for so long. So when there's a very loud bang, right? We interpret that bang really quickly and then we'll orient our head to it or our heart rate will increase. Those type of things are all part of this system one, um, which you might think of as your heart, right? This is kind of the emotional side of these two systems. These are the things that we don't really think about. In fact, these aspects of intellectualization are non-conceptual. So what I mean by that is information is taken in and it is processed. And then there are outputs or reactions. However, there aren't any concepts that are involved in that. There aren't any rational thoughts and concepts that are tied to this processing, which is part of why it happens so quickly. Often this is considered to be intuition, where you just have this feeling based on not a lot of considered thought out information. Um, and this is happening 
all of the time, constantly. We always have this impression of what's going on around us, and our bodies are tuned into that, whether we realize it or not. I'm sure some of you have had the System 1 show up um, to your incredulity here and there. For example, sometimes I'll be walking down the street and I'll quickly duck out of the way of a branch that I didn't even notice. Or uh, one of my favorite examples is I used to work at a preschool which can be very hectic. And I was sitting at a very small table with a very small child, about two years old. And for some reason, I quickly reached my hand around the back of this child's head with a lot of force. Um, I have no idea why I did it at the time. It just happened very quickly. Like I said, the system one is very, very fast compared to slow rational thinking. And as I moved my hand to the back of this child's head, I caught a giant dresser wardrobe that some other child had accidentally knocked over. And it was it was very big. Like, it would have done some serious damage to this toddler. Um, but my System 2 didn't even have time to notice. Like, what is that sound? I wonder what that sound is. It's probably a falling dresser. Uh, that dresser might hurt this kid because this dresser weighs this much, so I should use my right arm. I didn't have time to do any of that. I just immediately reacted. Um, and protecting children is very evolutionary. Um, so there's a reason that was kind of built in, right? Same thing for food, for example. If we smell something delicious, we'll salivate immediately. That's classic System 1 right there. There are a lot of examples of System 1 uh, that are really easy to grasp, right? These really fast reactions. However, the System 1 is also implicated in a lot of our deeper emotions, I guess you might say, uh, which is why I said that I like to consider it as evolutionary wisdom. Everything that comes out of our System 1 has been bred through thousands and thousands of years of some people not having good enough System 1s and dying, and some people having System 1s that lead them to reproducing. Um, so with that in mind, System 1 isn't necessarily set up to optimize our well-being. It's set up to optimize how well we survive and how well we reproduce. So that's why most of our System 1 type of uh, behaviors are going to be really tied to survival in a bunch of different ways, um, which again is part of why it's so fast, right? If a tiger shows up and it's about to eat you and your family, you don't have time to think about like, okay, well, the tiger's this big and I can run this way and then I'll go over this cliff and then that'll get the tiger. Like, there's no time for that in the moment. Um, you need immediately all of your blood to go to your legs and your arms and you need to either fight or flee. Right? Your entire fight-or-flight um, sympathetic nervous system is tied to this very fast system one. Um, and it just has so much to say. It's constantly showing up and uh, taking in the information that's happening around us and then using it in a lot of ways that can often seem non-rational, but that is very relevant, at least evolutionarily speaking, to keeping us alive. Um, however, it doesn't process things with as much rational depth. In fact, it doesn't use any concepts. It doesn't take in the context. And that's what's really important about understanding why we have a dual system, is it will just react immediately. And almost every mammal, every animal has this kind of system where there's behaviors that will arise out of certain stimuli, right? A stimulus response pattern. Um, however, as our lives get a lot more complex, there are situations in which that's not the most helpful, right? And so as complexity grew in humans, we began to have more and more complex minds, more and more complex reasoning. And we ended up getting this system too, which it seems as though 
almost no other animal on the planet has a system too, at least not like ours. They might have a much more rudimentary version, um, but our system too is kind of what most people think of when they think of what's classically and characteristically human. This is where we get our reason, this is where we get our logic, this is where we get our very uh, deeply thought out and considered rationale for why we're making certain choices and what's happening around us. This system two is very useful for a lot of obvious reasons, but it's very slow. So system two is when you're thinking of, I don't know, maybe moving to a new place or getting a new job or trying to figure out some very complex social information, like who you should talk to at this party, if you've never been to this party, like these kind of things where it isn't a stimulus that demands you react immediately. It's more of something that needs to be deliberately considered and thought out over time. That's where our system two shows up. This is what you might think of as your head or your brain in our uh, mind-body-head-heart duality. Um, this is where you explain what's going on in your body and in the situation around you, right? System one doesn't explain anything. It takes an information and it'll react. There's no explanation involved. System two spends a lot of time explaining what system one is doing or has done. Um, often it's described as an elephant and a rider of an elephant. I believe Jonathan Haidt kind of coined that one or at least popularized it a lot, where you have this very strong, very big system that just kind of does what it does, and then you have a rider sitting on top that will explain what's going on and try to steer it, but for the most part that system one is going to do uh, what it wants to do. Uh, but system two will explain it and kind of take ownership of a lot of it in ways that make it seem logical and acceptable and, above all, understandable. Humans crave coherence, and we crave understanding our situations because it's so adaptive, right? System 1 adapted so that it can keep us alive, and System 2 also adapted so that it can keep us alive. However, System 2 is keeping us alive in a much more complex environment than system one was keeping us alive in. System one came way before our system two. Um, so system two or our, our head or our logical reasoning is going to keep us alive in social situations, right? It's going to keep us alive in very complex, hard to immediately react to situations. Um, mainly because it considers the context. System one doesn't really consider the context, it considers the stimulus. So if you see a tiger, system one is going to immediately activate your sympathetic nervous system and you know, activate that fight or flight kind of behavior pattern. Um, whereas system two might also see this tiger and then also recognize that this tiger is not moving and that you're in a museum of natural history and that there's a large sheet of glass in between you and the tiger that you can't see because it's clear. But all of these kind of contextual factors will play into how system two reasons and logics and understands these things. Um, which is a lot different than how system one works. And so system two has evolved to really help us understand how to behave within contexts, and specifically within very complex contexts that require more than just fight or flight, that require decisions and planning and consideration and deep explanation. Uh, system two is heavily reliant on concepts. So as before I mentioned, system one doesn't have a lot to do with conceptualization. It has a lot to do with information processing and behavioral reactions, system two is very much wrapped up in conceptualization and taking these concepts, pairing them together, and then using these concepts to understand the situation logically. Um, 
which again is very, very helpful in a lot of different ways. If you ever have insight into anything, like an aha moment, or you understand something deeply, comprehension, those kind of things only come from system two processes. Now, as I said, our emotions are constructed through an interaction of these two systems. So for a very long time, whether we call them system one, system two, or head or heart or what have you, people believed that this was completely different systems and one was good, one was bad, or one needed to be followed and one needed to be controlled or something along those lines. But what we've begun to understand is that they interact together. And I want to talk a bit about how they interact together. But before that, I want to explain how you can begin to recognize these two systems. How do you even know that they're there? Right? I've mentioned this before. I really don't want you to take anything I say in this podcast uh, at face value. Uh, because that's not what's going to get you to really understand the topics and really grow. You're going to have to figure these things out for yourself. Um, these Instructions are more, they're just that, they're instructions, right? They're signposts that'll help you figure these things out for yourself. And so one of the best ways that you can figure out how your system one is operating is through a process called interoception. So the same way you can pay attention to how your skin feels, right? If it's hot or if it's cold or if it's itchy or something along those lines, you can pay attention to how your body feels on the inside. So this is when you start to pay attention to, are you nervous? Are you hungry? Are you afraid? Um, we're using emotion words, right? But we can go even deeper than that to where we're not even using concepts. Because again, that's system two. And we're trying to identify system one. So it's going to be this ineffable experience, this feeling. And one of the only ways that you can really understand this super fast system is if you place your attention on how your body feels. Again, this system is often called intuition, right? So like, what are you intuiting? What are you feeling needs to be done right now, right? What are the behaviors that your body is telling you to do, right? Or is already doing you? Like I said, sometimes it happens without you even considering it, right? So like, why are you walking so quickly? Or like, why are you tensing your fists or things along those lines, right? Just kind of paying attention to that and paying attention to how your body feels on the inside will start to really clue you in into this really fast system one um, evolutionary wisdom, your your heart, so to speak, your, your gut. You got to recognize what your gut is telling you. But it's also really helpful to recognize our system two as well. Um, this one seems easier to recognize. However, it can be just as elusive as system one, just because we have so many things to place our attention on. And this system two is kind of doing its thing, whether we recognize it or not. Our system two is really good at just explaining things um, with what's known as a heuristic or a bias or just the easiest way to explain something. It'll just explain it and then you'll move on. Um, and sometimes this isn't even in your awareness, like right in your face. You might have explained something without even realizing that you've explained it in a certain way, which is the next section of this podcast I'm going to get into is how we explain things. But before I explain how we explain things, I want to explain how you can recognize the system too. It's a process called metacognition, uh, which is one of my all-time favorite parts of psychology, just because it's so it's got so much depth and it really shifts if you take it seriously, it can really shift how you understand your own mind. Where, to recognize system one, we we're talking about placing your attention on your body and on your motivations and kind of these, these feelings going on. For system two, you can place that same attention 
right? Non-judgmental awareness that we talked about in the last podcast on mindfulness. You can place this attention on your thoughts themselves. And you can pay attention to the words that you use, the rationale that you use, and the styles of explanation that you use to explain what's going on around you. The, the words and concepts that you use to understand both your body, your system one, your heart and your feelings, and the wider context around you. So with interoception and metacognition, you can begin to recognize these two systems. And beyond recognizing the two systems, you can recognize how they interact, how they work together. So again, for a long time, people thought that these were very separate. But what we've begun to recognize, and what I hope you begin to recognize as you explore this for yourself, is that these feelings will come up. You do have uh, what we might call emotions, right? Um, whether you want them or not, you do want to move away from some things, move towards some things. Uh, you might have, you know, more energy because of something or less energy because of something. Um, but after that happens, we will explain it. So our system two will feel that, recognize that, and then explain it somehow. I'm angry because this person said this, or I'm, I want to run away because this is wrong, or something along those lines. But it turns out when you explain your feeling, your feelings change. And when your feelings change, you need to explain that change in feeling, right? And they actually go back and forth in this, uh, positive feedback loop and the direction they go will depend on what we're going to talk about next how you explain it you can actually influence the direction of this feedback loop um, but they work together there is no emotion without reason and logic and there is no logic and reason without emotion you literally need both of them in order for them to work properly um, emotionally speaking so for example, let's say I'm at a party and I see somebody who I know and they turn away from me when I see them. That's going to give me a feeling, right? Again, going back to evolutionary roots, um, exclusion is akin to physical pain. If we're like belongingness is literally a psychological need, right? So if we're feeling excluded or rejected, that system one is going to immediately give us some type of sensation, some type of feeling, and some type of behavior that we'll be motivated to do. Um, and then we'll recognize that and we'll explain it. And the way you explain it will depend on a lot of factors, but that system two is what's doing the explaining. And it'll say something along the lines of maybe, uh, wow, this person saw me, they must hate me, right? That's an explanation of the behavior that you just saw. That explanation will make you feel a certain way, right? If you explain it like, wow, they hate me, you're probably going to feel pretty bad about being hated, and that's going to give you a whole new feeling to explain, right? And then you'll explain that feeling as well, like, why do I feel terrible? Because they hate me. Well, why do they hate me? Because, you know, I'm just not cool enough for them. It doesn't really matter exactly what it is, but that explanation will influence these feelings that you're having. And then these new feelings will need to be explained as well, and they kind of just feed off of each other. Um, and go down a direction. And as I keep saying, these are very evolutionary. So these explanations are likely going to be things that will 
be adaptive in many ways. Uh, but in many cases, they might not be adaptive. And that's really what I want to help you explore with this podcast specifically today is when are your explanations and your intuitions helpful and adaptive? And when might you want to give them a second glance, uh, which is exactly what we're getting to next. <laughs>